Alrighty, let's uh, let's kick off this uh, episode here. Matt Chamberlain with uh, Henderson Advocacy, and uh, today for No Local episode five, I believe. Uh, very very excited to welcome the guest sitting across from us uh, here today, who has created you know an incredible business um, from you know what we can see from the outside looking in over the last six years. So I believe the business was created six years ago um, in the apparel, um, I guess of e-commerce as well and um, and he's created this business into you know a Novocastrian I guess a bit of a landmark in in Newcastle uh, building an incredible uh, social media following and you know website presence and essentially from from what I understand um, he's got some uh, very high profile influencers wearing his uh, products all over the world um, so let's uh, let's get straight into it. Welcome, uh, Liam from Eat Your Water. Yeah, cheers, cheers for having me, Matt. It's a it's a pleasure. It's, a pleasure. it's great to uh, great to have you here, mate. So uh, before we uh, before we kicked off, um, you know, we we're digging into obviously the business as it is today, um, but I thought we you know kick it right off by bringing it right back to. You know your first thoughts of eat your water, and um, you mentioned that it came along with a check or uh, a fifteen hundred dollar investment from your part. Yeah, so I was eighteen years old. I just finished high school. I got a sixty-four or sixty-five ATAR. Love uh, it. I, I didn't really try it all in high school to my parents' sort of angst, but um, I was stoked for the sixty-four ATAR because I mean I could get into university and make my parents proud. Hey, you know, uh, before you go on, I've uh, heard a bit of a saying which rings true to me um, as of late, and it's that usually that the B students in school usually employ the A students in the future. Oh, <laughs> so you've I'll got your, it. I'll yeah, you've got it, your entrepreneurs uh, that obviously you know do uh, some incredible things, and they're uh, they're employing the accountants, the lawyers, true. and all the doctors. They wouldn't even put me as a B student, I was more a C student. um, So yeah, yeah, got into university, started in marine biology, and in my very first lecture, I was down at Arimba, so I was travelling like an hour there. Um, Sat through this one-hour introduction, and I was bored as anything. Um, So on the drive home, I pulled over and I called my mum, and I was like, this isn't for me, this isn't what I want to do. And I just had that feeling in my gut, and she sort of had a panic attack and said, stick it out, because... Yeah, you know, what else are you actually going to do? And at the time, my dad was working from home and I sort of sat back and I was like, man, I I want to sort of do that. And he was was able to travel a fair bit with work. Um, And I guess three weeks later, I was sitting outside Pinkies on Callahan campus and I just opened up an Instagram page called Eat Your Water. Um, And the name, I honestly can't remember where it came from. I feel like in high school, I was really into, uh, I was a musician and... um, I toyed with these band name ideas and I I came up with Eat Your Water when I was like 16 and it never went anywhere. And then Mm. that sort of came about when I started, opened up this Instagram page and I just, the rest is pretty much history from there. And from there, you know, went and changed degrees and did a Bachelor of Business, Bachelor of Innovation, Entrepreneurship and just had this business chugging away in the background. And I had virtually no experience. Like in high school, I was pretty much just purely science-backed, like you yeah, chemistry, biology, physics. I dropped out of half of them and did senior mm. science, though. And Love um, <laughs> yeah, but no business, nothing like that. I was crap at art at the time. Like I think I got a C in Year Seven art when we did that. But um, yeah, I was sort of determined to see what I could do with with that fifteen hundred dollars that I initially chucked into the business. So exciting times. So where did that fifteen hundred dollars go? 
Um, yeah, a lot of it was wasted money. So I think about <laughs> $500 of it would have been spent on, on stock initially. Uh, I've still got my financials, well, my financials from back then, which was just an Excel spreadsheet of, you know, income expenses. Um, but yeah, I paid for my ABN because I didn't realize you could get it for free, paid for the business name because I was clueless. I literally had no idea what I was doing. Started setting up websites, started getting these crappy stickers in. So it was just a lot of that, you know, I guess I was starting that cliche teen, teenage boy girl's dream of starting a t-shirt brand and um yeah all that essential stuff that I guess you needed but yeah 500 bucks was probably stock and the rest was miscellaneous stuff but in hindsight I reckon I could have saved myself a thousand bucks and just done it for the 500 but you know you so, live you learn yeah so take us through I guess that next 12 months it, it sounds like it you know it started as you know, an idea that you then turned into, um, you know, a little bit of a hobby. Yeah. But take us through that first 12 months and what that looked like for you. Well, that first 12 months was pretty pivotal because I guess um, that was when I really honed in on Instagram. And, and back in 2015, Instagram was way different to what it is today. There was a lot of potential to grow an account quite quickly, um, without having to pay for it, so organically. Um, so those first 12 months, I think after 12 months, we had something like 15,000 followers, which was pretty big, pretty substantial back then, especially for something where we'd only had really two or three releases um, in reality. And those first 12 months were super basic. We were using an Australian manufacturer. We were basically just, I was just breaking even, I think in those, in that first financial year. So the first three months we, we lost money obviously. And then, uh, I think even the next, next sort of 12 months, we lost money again. Like I wasn't making any money from the business. Um, but I was just trying to get product out there and get the name out there. Um, so at that time I was still working as a checkout chick before moving into another more formal marketing, uh, slash accounting role, um, while being at university. So it was very much a hobby. Um, but yeah, then maybe two years in, it was sort of when I went, all right, let's, uh, let's give it a proper run for the, run for the hills, you know? So that's crazy. I mean, 15,000 followers in 12 months, that's, you know, even back then it probably wasn't, you know, the, um, the, the smallest of feats, like, yeah. So, so tell, talk us through what, you know, let's move on, I guess, to that, say, next um, period where you might have seen, started to see a little bit of growth. Mm. And um, we were speaking just before um, we uh, turned the camera on that, you know, social media has been quite a large part of how you've mm. been able to grow the business. So how did Instagram, you know, follow you through that next 12 months, say that first year to your second year? And yeah. how valuable was that? I think may, probably around then is when I really started to look at what I could actually do further with Instagram um, when it came to actually spending money on it. And um, I, I started learning very quickly the best way to actually advertise on Instagram um, from back then when they were, when I guess Facebook ads was pretty, pretty basic and, but still at the time, say at the same time, quite complicated in setting up. Um, yeah, so I just, I just started to hone my skills on that and I pumped a lot, not a lot of money into it, but I was pumping money into it and I, I was losing out, but I was also learning at the same time because everything that I've done with social media has just been self-taught in that, in that aspect. Um, but yeah, I just started to learn how to build a community on Instagram of people who are actually engaged. Like still to this day, we'll have uh, half or a third of the followers of some of our larger competitors, yet we'll get double the amount of engagement on a post than what they do. And that's just from, I guess, creating a, a brand that people want to actually be 
a, a part of and, and that they're interested in and they want to follow. And I think we do that through, like, you know, being a – the way – I guess, like, in, in its purest form, social media is there for people to connect with friends. And I think one issue that I see with a lot of brands and, and general businesses out there is they try to be too commercial on there. And so we, I've always treated Eat Your Water as being a friend or a mate of everyone. And so like, even when we get a new release, it's like, just chucked up some stuff online, go have a look if you want, like, like as if we almost don't care. So I've always said like, excuse the French, we, <laughs> the people who don't give a shit, but we give a shit. So, um, I love it. So I feel like, and that's transcended in our social media in reality and the way we've sort of made it all work. Um, yeah, and that's sort of the strategy behind it. Like we don't want to be this commercial big business um, that we definitely could be. And and yeah, it might have some better repercussions for the top line, but I don't know. It seems to work the way we do it at the moment. It sounds like the uh, you've got a bit of a Nova Cash in touch there, trying yeah. to uh, keep it local and, and make that, you know, I guess that interaction between you and, and your customers as yeah. informal. But as uh, I guess at the same time, though, I've never been just set on being like that Newcastle brand. Like, so Gull, who's one of, who was my first employee and I've known him since I was three, he's one of my best mates. Um, back uh, sort of when I took that leap, we were just sitting on my bedroom floor packing orders, but we were looking like a business that was, um, you know, as, as serious and as big as like your offends, you the critical slides of society and so on. So it was a big like sort of fake it till you make it. So we wanted our customers to think of us, like use their imagination and go, who are these, who are these people who are eat your water? And we still have that level of mysteriousness around the brand where people probably I don't know they might assume we're smaller than what we are when they actually see like what goes on behind the scenes or they might think we're way bigger than what we are so I think that a whole nother level to that interest that people have in our brand is that mysteriousness because we're not that typical sort of I guess yeah you don't see us too often on the on the outside world if Mm. that makes sense outside of the merch obviously no well I mean having you know we're currently sitting in your um in your offices and it's it's not a small space we'll say that so um there's a lot of cogs moving in uh in this machine that's it um so something you said you you it sounds like you started the business from you know your bedroom floor yeah yeah (laughs) so I I didn't tell my parents I'd started a business and I think it was probably after six months because I had boxes showing up at the door and they started getting a little bit bigger and I th- I remember my mum asking oh what's this and I said oh yeah I started a business and that was yeah probably six months in I was I'd probably only made like ten thousand dollars in sales and you know lost more money than that but um but yeah it was yeah it was pretty interesting being on the bedroom floor but it obviously got to a point where I needed more space to sleep so I had to move it out of out of the old bedroom so, yeah, what did those expansion plans look like when you realised, I guess, you know, maybe, yeah. this, maybe we could turn this into, um, you know, a full-time gig and, and get our own space? Well, to be completely honest, the, the, the main turning point for why I went, okay, let's stop this being a hobby and let's give it a red-hot crack was... Um, I was, I was working at, a, at an accounting marketing firm, which was, which was a good, solid job, uh, good enough people, had fun. Um, but I, I'd booked a, a trip to the snow and I put in leave to go to the and snow. they said no. Well, they didn't actually get back to me and I asked again, they didn't get back to me. So I just went, well, I've booked this trip, so I'm going to have to quit. So I quit in the middle of 2018 and Eat Your Water was doing pretty well then. Like we were very much like some months were big, some months were smaller. Um, and then I just went, all right, let's just throw it all in. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'll just keep doing uni and figure out something else. Um, 
and then yeah I pretty much just decided to quit that job go all, go full steam ahead and I think uh, two months later I lost about $30,000 in a split like decision which was sort of like you know not the greatest thing to happen after you've just quit your job but um <laughs> that was another mistake that you live and learn from um but yeah I guess that was the main turning point and it was it was obviously a blessing in disguise wasn't it um and then a couple of months later we moved into a, a small warehouse which was just up the road actually um and then we outgrew that space I think within four to five months uh moved in here and then we're already looking at probably having to move again or rethink the way we're working this space within the next probably three to six months. Um, so, yeah. That's incredible. It's, uh, it's been a, a long journey through, you know, obviously some, some ups and downs. Yeah. So, so tell me, um, first of all, was the snow trip good? Yeah, it was. It was actually, it's always good down there. Um, so yeah, yeah good fun, stuff. good stuff. Good stuff. So when you came back, was there ever a realisation or, or a moment when you went, shit, like, have yeah. I done the right thing? Yeah, for sure. Especially when it came to realising that I had to pay myself. Because before that, I'd never taken a cent out of the business. I just kept reinvesting, reinvesting, which I think you should do with a small business. You should sort of, like, I've never been into luxury stuff. Um which is good. It's obviously helped, but uh, it was when I realised, yeah, because I was obviously I was on a solid enough wicket at that other job, and mm. and then um, yeah, that wasn't coming in anymore, so it had to come out of eat your water. Um, so that was sort of the one thing that I was like, okay, now it's my responsibility. Like I've got to show up to make this work. If I don't, um, I'm not going to be able to pay myself. And at that point, I'd started looking at taking on um, guys a little bit more heavily, and yeah. Mm. Was there um, was there any turning point within, I guess, your frame of mind throughout that journey where you went, all right, now you know we'll have to pretty much give this a hundred percent or nothing at all? Um, yeah, I think like that moment was that that sort of thing of like, okay, it's not a hobby anymore. This is a business. Let's get serious. So I set it up as a company rather than being a sole trader. Um, I started taking a lot more risks, looking at how I could expand the company. So like a big mantra of mine is look at what your competitors do and do it better. Um, whereas I feel like the most common thing people do is they look at their competitors and do the same thing, which just leaves you in a, in a slow lane in my opinion. So yeah, it was really like let's put the – Let's, let's look at what we're doing really well internally um, and double down on that. But at the same time, let's look at what others are doing like in, in an external sense and double down on what they're doing really well, but do it, do it better. So yeah. that was sort of like the putting the pedal down and, and that was where like my focus really went for that, that early part of, I guess, that company formation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, let's, let's dive into those. Obviously, you've, you've got a really strong... I can, I can see your you know you're taking a leaf from all of the you know your competitors yeah. books and really analyzing you know what your competitors are doing well or, or maybe yeah. not so well um so you know in in pretty much from say 2018 to to where we are today um you know i hear that the growth the business has just been going from strength to strength what do you feel are probably some of the key things that have really helped you guys you know continue to to build the business to what it is 
Um, no, that's a good question. It's something that I've never really sat down and actually had a look in hindsight. But I think it's that whole thing of, like, I'll come back to the end, that thing of looking at what your competitors do and doing it better. I, like, the best example, like, well, a good example that I have is I wanted to redesign all of our email uh, templates that customers get after they place an order. So I went and purchased from 10 of our big competitors, so SurfStitch, Offense, Thrills, and I looked at what their emails were like. I did a spreadsheet, what's good, what's bad. So then we had this thing of, like, let's include all of this stuff in ours let's exclude that stuff mm -hmm. um so it's things like that and that just literally takes you like it's small little things that take your business there's not like one big turning point that goes you know this is what's going to make uh eat your water grow really fast but yeah it's doubling down on the things that actually work and that you can see work because in reality we 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 still are a pretty small team um but we we're, we're able to leverage off what these big guns in the industry do who have huge teams, who have way more experience. Like, I think the average age of our employees would be 21 or 20. Um, so we're a young team. We don't have a hell of a lot of experience. We've got a hell of a lot of passion. Um, so we look at what these guys who have been in the industry for ages are doing and, and we go, well, let's just bloody replicate that but do it like with that eat your water spin that's a little bit a little bit mm. sicker you know so i think that all those little things that that we've done throughout um but have basically helped the growth like even we give away a gift card every single time we post on instagram and all you have to do is like the post within the first 30 minutes and that came from we just saw i saw ages ago that good old gary v was doing this thing where if you liked his post in the first 30 seconds you could get a signed book or something and i was like that's really smart it'll make people turn post notifications on they'll they'll get notifications every time you post um and it, and it helps that engagement at the first 30 minutes and Instagram goes, well, that post is doing well. That's going to, we'll bump it up in the, in the long run. Cause that was just after the chronological feed was wiped and it's now all random. Um, we didn't become a business page cause I was like, well, then you're flagging yourself as a business to Facebook. So I'll push you down. So you have to get, you have to pay to get back up. So there's a lot of little things. Uh, I can't really specify one thing, but at the same time, like my focus is like, there's this, I guess it's the magic source within Eat Your Water. We focus on brand, product, and culture, and all those things are shaped towards what our what we believe the customer needs are. And like, it's not your traditional customer needs of like food, shelter, water, and so on. But it's more so um, like turning turning a want. So someone might want our product, but how can we make it that they feel like they need that product? So it can be through things with collaborations with charities, whatever we do. Um, which I think is really important to actually growing a brand because um, in its purest form, in my opinion, marketing is turning a want into a need. So that's something we focus on. There's a fair bit happening in that, what I've just said. But no, yeah, that's, that's it's, it's literally just a whole bunch of little things that really yeah. have contributed to that, that rapid growth of Eat Your Water. Yeah. Oh, it's it's incredible to uh, I guess hear you know how your your mind works and you know it's it's as though you're exploring so many different avenues yeah. and you know you're just trialing. Yeah. As you said, like trust we... me, there's a lot of dumb things that happen. <laughs> it's not all smart. It's not all. Smart. Well, mate, you make the mistake, you uh, you learn from it. That's right? it. So, That's it. So, mate, I wanted to dive into um, you know your social media presence. It's so it's it's actually phenomenal, right? You've got you've built an incredible following. I think um, you know it's close to around 80k on. on on Instagram, you've yep. got a great following on um, on Facebook as well. Um, how explain to me over the journey of the business how important social media has been to your business? Yeah, knowing that you know your business is 
you know, in apparel and, and you do a lot of your work or a lot of your revenue, yeah. much all of it through e-commerce. Yeah. Well, yeah, we sell exclusively through our website. So we've had offers from the likes of Surf, Surf Stitch to stock with them, but we've sort of kindly declined that because we just want to stick true to our guns. Um, so social media, especially at the start, was like integral. Um, building that awareness that we're a brand and I guess that's where that, that magic sourcing of like, the brand product and t- culture and, and refining those has been really important um but yeah social media has basically been the what drives people to our website before before we when we were an unknown brand or an up-and-coming brand there was no other way that people could really find out about us um we didn't really toil with anything outside of pure social media marketing for a while um like in the past we have done like billboard campaigns and and so on where we take like things into that off-screen experience to i guess elevate that brand a little bit more but um yeah i guess social media at that at that beginning point was literally the driver of where pretty much all of our traffic was coming from um to our website nowadays it still makes up like instagram probably takes up 35 percent of the traffic to our website facebook another 10 15 and then we're doing a lot of uh search and just people direct visiting our website so we've been able to through social media build a brand that when people go i need a new hat i need a new t-shirt they go all right i'm going to go check out eat your water which is a really cool thing to do and and important especially because that that influences returning customers which is another huge focus of ours so we've got like a return customer rate of around 40 percent which is pretty high for the apparel uh industry especially for where our markups are and so on um so yeah social media really have has allowed us to get to that that point of being a a functioning business like we can we've got basically no ads running at the moment due to stock levels but we're still getting you know a fair few orders a day that it's more than covering what we're doing here and then when we get the ads running again it just pumps up so now it's sort of like this self self uh working machine i guess rather than having to focus on things and social media has gotten us to that point yeah yeah no that's incredible so it sounds like social media was you know a part of that you know initial growth strategy to really fuel um you know that early adoption i'd say yeah and then now you're getting you're seeing through your stats a lot of you know repeat customers and and noticing that your brand's probably more maturing in a way and and becoming a bit more recognizable by um by yeah that's it it's sort of like allowed us it it got our brand into the into the world really Mm. um yeah now it's become that like it's still weird that we go out and people know about us. Like, like you, you sort of mentioned earlier that we have. So we're against influencer marketing. I think it's like a pretty toxic form of mar- marketing if it's done in in yep. its pure form. Um, yep. But we're still. We've been warned by like G Flip at the Iris. We've been warned by Ocean Alley, Adam Zampa, the Australian cricketer, AFL players, the Quinn XC II. I don't know how you <laughs> what you actually call them. Um, so yeah, we still get all this stuff out there. So we're becoming this brand. That's I guess being seen more and more and more people know about us whether they've shopped from us or not just purely because of social media everyone spends time on their phone and i think that's been an interesting part for me is how does someone pick up their phone and after five minutes end up spending 60 bucks in our store so that that journey from you know pick up phone just spend 60 bucks and then obviously the after purchase um, experience as well what um what goes through your mind when you get shared a photo or a video of someone that you may have looked up to or you've known in you know public yeah, circles true. before and then suddenly they're wearing your hat like it, it must be know, pretty it's, exhilarating it's, it's right? cool but I, I reckon it's more fun like before covid when you could go to a festival and you'd see people wearing 
like eat your water there because <laughs> um, yeah like in and around Newry even like you just go for a walk on, on Merriweather and I'll see two or three people in an eat your water hut and then we'll drive off and we'll see an eat your water sticker on the back of a van and I'm just like it's pretty cool isn't it but I, I don't know like you sort of get used to it in a way as well um, to a degree so but it is cool it's, it's cool to see it out there hey so take us through a little bit about um, you know what what your core business is right so we we know we're talking about apparel but you know did it start out with just shirts and did you move through into hats and you know what else is in the range at the moment so we really just started out in t-shirts and then branched into hats and they were our two core offerings and then we saw great success with hats um, and we really refined what we were doing in our hats to make it like I say, like our hats will fit 95% of people's heads the way they want to wear a hat, which is something that a lot of brands, that people buy a hat and find it too small, too big, whatever, won't fit right. And we just nailed that. And so we literally doubled down on that. And we were, we were, we became, we, we, we pretty much rode this wave with our hats that, that really helped us get to where we were. And now we're starting to expand even further into the product range, more so to increase the average order value. Um, so like this year we've got knits coming out, we've got more rugby jumpers, we've got Sherpa jackets, we've got polar fleece quarter zips. Um, we're, we're trialling different styles of headwear um, from a couple of styles of beanies, a couple of styles of uh, new styles of six panels, five panels and so on. So... But it really started as that, and when we saw this, when we see success in a product, we really doubled down on it, and um, that's where our focus in marketing will generally be. So, and like at the peak of when we we felt headwear were going strong, we were getting cost per purchases as low as twenty seven cents. So that means we were giving Facebook twenty seven cents, and for each for for that amount, someone was then going and spending around sixty dollars on our website. So it was low as anything. Like we were, and like the industry average for a cost per purchase is generally four to eight dollars. So we were wow. a fraction of that. And that's just once again back to that magic source of building a brand and a product and a culture that people wanted to be involved in, and we were adhering to their needs. So yeah, I think that was sort of like yeah a, a cool little aspect of the business but that doubled down on what's working when it comes to products um and i guess expanding and testing those new product ranges is important because what we notice even now while we were sort of the guys who did corduroy hats maybe uh two three years ago and we had a really good run of like 18 months on that there's obviously now a flooding of people doing corduroy hats and while we've still got our loyal customers and we still attract a lot of customers through them um it's now like where else can we see that next success so there's a lot of testing a lot of sampling um that that goes into i guess continuing that success because you never know like tomorrow hats could become nothing like in in reality Um, and that's just fashion with trends so it's really testing trends and and doubling down on when you see something working um, which obviously comes through that whole thing of expanding that range and without without steering away from what you really want to offer at the same time so yeah Take me through, so so I'm wearing one of your shirts right now, and mate, it feels great, by the way. Thank you. Um, so take me through how, you know, maybe the early designs of what you started putting on shirts, <laughs> and then and then what it's got to today, uh, yeah. you know, before we um, before we jumped on and started recording, you said you've got now a, a you know, piece of the team which is probably essentially focused on design. Yeah. So what, what was the journey like from initial design right through well, to back, what you do today? Back then, I was, I had a, 
One of my first designs, I think it was called the Frother Party T-shirt, <laughs> which is such a cliche surf brand piece oh, of crap. Gold. But that was actually drawn on with a with a permanent marker on a piece of paper, and then I just I think I took a picture of it and I sent it to her. And this is when we just moved to um, to a supplier in Indonesia who we no longer work with, but we did back then. Um, and I just sent a picture of it. And I was like, put it on a t- put it on a T-shirt for us. So that was that was literally it back then. Whereas and I guess it kept evolving from that. Like nowadays, um, yeah, there's a small team that work on it and ha- have a bit of contribution into what we're bringing in. Um, and we're doing line sheets. We've got our tech packs. We're moving to new systems now, which is pretty exciting that will even streamline that whole supply chain management even more um, and make it even more collaborative, not only internally, but with our manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's changed heaps. Like I used to design, because I'm not a designer by trade or anything. I don't even know. I still don't know how to use any of the Adobe suites. So <laughs> that's telling you something. But um, yeah, at the start, like our logo was drawn on an iPad with my finger and it's never been touched or revisited since. You're um, kidding. That's purely cool. just on, on an iPad. So it's got that imperfectionness. Mm. Um, and then I just end up buying an iPad Pro, kept upgrading gear, kept refining the way I was designing. I still design a lot of crap and some of it even gets to be on t-shirts and it comes in and I go, why did I, why did we order that? But I don't know. It's, it's definitely developed a lot and it's exciting. And like, that's, that's one of my favorite things of the business is designing and that supply chain management. It's frustrating as anything, but it is, it's fun. I like it. Yeah. Right. That's incredible. So, so tell me, uh, you know, we've, we've now, we're in Newcastle, of course. Yeah. Um, and that's where the business started. You know, that's where you've got your roots itself. What, uh, you know, has there been any benefits you think of starting a business, you know, in the apparel industry in Newcastle other than just simply yeah. because, you know, it happened to be, you know, have there been things across the journey that you've gone, you know, it's been a real great help that I've, you know, been in the yeah. right place at the right time. I think personally uh, being in Newcastle has helped a lot because um, I've been lucky enough to be involved in a fair few like entrepreneurial ecosystems all around Australia and in capital cities and so on. And like the one thing that I feel is different in Newcastle compared to anywhere else is there's not this sense of competitiveness in Newcastle. It's everyone will help everyone. Whereas in places like Sydney, Melbourne, there's that real we're against each other, we're versing each other. So in Newcastle, um, like there's a tight-knit group of who, who will let anyone in, uh, of entrepreneurs or people in that space who are all willing to share their ideas and, and open up about what they're doing. So I think that's been a great sort of thing to have and I've had access to that through mostly like university and while I didn't... Personally, I feel like I didn't learn much academically at university. The doors it opened up in terms of connections has been has been like really good to actually get bounce those ideas off because I was I've been young in business like I started this when I was 18 so I didn't know what I was doing so to have that reassurance I guess in the background from all different all different people who would recommend me to other people and and so on um, has been great and I feel like you get that more in Newcastle that sense of an actual inclusive ecosystem rather than something that's so competitive that you sort of seem to find more so in capital cities and so on so Mm. yeah yeah right sounds like uh, you know the the environment that you've been in and the people you've been able to meet throughout the journey have been you know conducive to supporting the business as opposed to competing with the business yeah for sure yeah there's nothing and but even in saying that in Newcastle there's not really that many 
are brands that stick out yet there's a few small brands that are coming through the through the strains who i've sort of i've spoken to them in the past but um there's not too many in a similar space or area as me at the moment but Mm. there's definitely some young guys who've probably seen what i've done and feel like they want to do something similar um yeah so yeah but there's not too much competing yeah right well, mate, I, uh, I know we're, uh, we're getting close to time, but I just wanted to ask a couple more questions. The first one about, you know, right now where, you know, you had COVID last year, you, you're probably thinking about, you know, shutting up shop in March. Yeah. And then um, we spoke about, you know, after, uh, or sorry, just before we jumped on, that um, April was like an incredible month mm. for you. So what has the journey been like in say the last 12 months with you know the COVID as the backdrop and yeah. what do you feel like is you know i guess for you and for eat your water looking mm. forward for the next 12 um yeah last 12 months has been pretty wild like it would have been literally around this time exactly 12 months ago that COVID started to form i just got back from melbourne this time last year and it was sort of on the horizon uh COVID and coming to australia and I got back and I started counting how much money we had in the bank account because I was like, well, how long can we go with, like, no sales at all? Because I was thinking maybe people aren't going to spend at all. Then, yeah, April was up over 400% on the year before, which is pretty bloody wild. And sort of carried through for the whole year. We had ups and downs just depending on stock levels, but um, it kept kept pretty steadily growing throughout that time. Um, so, yeah, those last 12 months have been pretty wild and I finished my degree halfway through last year and from there, it was sort of once again taking that switch of let's really double down on things. So we started to fill out the team a bit more, which has been an interesting learning curve, um, but it's been fun. Um, been investing a fair bit of money because obviously the part like the five years prior to that, just been really reinvesting, paying myself pretty much peanuts and um, building this business. And we had money to invest in all different areas. So we invested in the studio upstairs. Um, we're now investing in a new series called Friday Feels, which um, we're getting to talk to a bunch of big artists from, we've got Spacey Jane on the on the cards, as well as working with this, that in Newcastle, um, talking with Eliza and the Delusionals and so on. So some pretty cool things happening there where now we can do these things that are sort of running alongside Eat Your Water, which is fun. And like, that's sort of, I guess, the the next 12 months for us is is starting to i guess invest in all these other areas in the business but as well like a huge focus for me um i've just got back from melbourne again for retail week and i really want to focus on creating some form of something on the website which helps close the loop of fast fashion um and I've no idea what it'll be yet. In my mind, it's sort of like a return and earn system or a reward system. And, you know, you can choose to, similar to how Grilled, you can donate to mm-hmm. different things um, and they get the money. Something like that. I don't know. It's still very much just raw in my mind. But this this next 12 months is going to be how can we close the, the loop of fast fashion? Because every, I guess, 12 months, I sort of have these set goals that are in the back of the mind. And, like, last year, it was really focused on product quality, um, as well as just increase, as well as improving that customer journey a lot and that average order value, I wanted to focus on growing as much as I could. Um, and yeah, now it's sort of like, okay, how can we close that loop? And then I feel like the following year will really be, okay, let's look at all of our, all of our systems and supply chain and how we can streamline those. So yeah, but interesting 12 months i've never been much for a business planning person uh, i sort of go day by day but i do have those loose ideas in the background and i'll get done but 
<laughs> Who knows when it'll come to me in a dream. Watch this space. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so, mate, one final question. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, look, final question. If you were, you had got to talk to your, you know, 18 year old self again, <laughs> when just about, you know, just before he was about to put $1,500 down on, uh, on this venture, what, what kind of advice would you give yourself Ooh. knowing that, you know, you've been through six years of, um, you know, I'm sure it's been a roller coaster. Um, and yeah, yeah. What uh, what would you advise yourself? I don't know. I sort of mentioned to you that I'm pretty chaotic in the way I run a business. So I feel like it's to embrace that chaoticness that I have. And I feel I encourage other kids, like other 18 year olds or anyone who's going into business, to like to embrace that chaotic nature within them because that's where you do your most learning. Like I've, I've lost heaps of money. I've made heaps of mistakes, but we've had just as many wins and made just as much money, obviously. So it's to really just acknowledge that shit's going to hit the fan, but look at it, learn from it. Don't dwell on it. People, I feel like that's the issue. People go in, they try to release a new line and it just, it just flops. And I've had that. Like I've had things and I'm like, yeah, we're going to make 40K today and then I end up making 8K and it's like, oh, what, what went wrong? But I don't dwell on it. I'm like, let's just keep moving forward, pushing forward. So, yeah, embrace that, that I guess that. Embrace the unknown. Exactly. <laughs> go into it. Take the risks. Um, yeah. Don't be scared of that failure. I feel like that's so many people get terrified of that failure i think my favorite question to ask anyone is like what would they do if they knew they couldn't fail because most people just settle for a job because you know they don't feel like they have that option but at the end of the day you should be going for what you really want to do like i'd rather do this and earn 20k a year than bloody work for some huge company on 500k a year like you get so much there's so much more to life than just a, a wage and yeah living a life where you come to work when you want you work with great people play table tennis everyone <laughs> <laughs> you got the silicon valley exactly, kind of feeling exactly. here with the table so, tennis table i love it so yeah i think that would be no be that's a pretty long message so yeah but mate it's great it's sage advice right you know jump in yeah, head first that's it and uh give it a crack don't be afraid <laughs> well liam mate thank you so much for uh for being on the podcast today oh good uh eat your water um and depending on when when this uh podcast episode comes out uh, why don't you quickly finish off with um, you know that birthday sale that might be coming up? True, we do have a birthday sale next Thursday. Uh, I'm not sure what it'll be, what it will be. Yes, but it'll be site wide. Um, that's assuming the business is still going by then. You know, the way I lead it, we could be we could be bankrupt tomorrow. So who knows? Love it. Love it. Easy. Appreciate it, Matt. All right, mate. Thanks very much. No dramas. <laughs> <laughs>